Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today I'm joined with Ashley Hernandez. She's an embalmer. She's also a funeral director. And this is her second time on my show. Guys, uh, she has been a good friend of mine. She came to one of my live events. And I interviewed her so early on in my podcast that a lot of you new listeners don't even know who she is. So I thought, you know, you do mortician kind of stuff. And I need to talk about that. So welcome to the show, Ashley. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) You and I talk and we don't talk as often as I'd like, because I just think the world of you. You're in Houston. I'm in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. That's important to know, like when we talk about like the hurricane and what happens when the lights go out, you know, because that's always fun. Yeah. So I know this is kind of a family owned business. Tell me what kind of got you into this and we'll go from there. Sure. Well, as you said, it is a family business. So my mom, she basically influenced my decision to do this. My mom was in the business from the time I was about 12 years old. Mm -hmm. She worked a lot in the cemetery. And I know I've told you stories about my best friend and I like playing hide and seek in the cemetery and playing (laughs) and just, you know, doing normal kid stuff, but just not in a normal kid venue. (laughs) But yeah, so that's how we got started is she worked out there in the cemetery and she's very good at just getting the tasks done and being professional. And she's taught me so much about that type of work ethic. And she worked her way through so many different avenues in the funeral industry. And I think we just kind of found our our groove with the mortuary service because what we do is is a little different than most funeral establishments that you would walk into and see their chapel and all of that where we're commercial. Um, we have a crematory on site mm. and we simply just do contract work for funeral homes. Typically they're privately owned. They're a lot of times family-owned businesses as well so then we form more of a partnership with them rather than them just calling us and saying hey go you know do whatever they need us to do so it's more or less that type of situation where you we're more behind the scenes so you won't get to see us very much Um, we don't advertise to the public obviously um, because we don't serve the general public but the funeral homes know us and love us and of course we love our funeral homes so that's always a good working relationship and it gives the people that work for us a good idea of how all sides of the business work, or maybe not all, but a lot of the different sides of the businesses Mm -hmm. and how they work together. Because you had mentioned earlier that I'm a funeral director and embalmer. In Texas, you can be a funeral director without getting your embalmer license, but you cannot be an embalmer unless you have your funeral director license. So those are actually two separate things. And Ashley, you guys, I tell you, I remember her saying this, that she, you know, you don't go to their place and go, oh, there's the chapel and we're going to have the funeral here. You know, they do the behind the scenes. And if you guys were ever afraid of death, I try to make you not afraid of death because we move on, we, we live on, there's an afterlife. But if you're ever afraid of what they do to the body, guys, guess what? You want somebody like Ashley taking care of you because she is so... Well, she'll tell you. I mean, they have such respect. The wonderful part about being in the funeral business is that everybody understands that it's not an easy job. And everybody understands that we're all here for the same purpose. We're here for the family. And so the good thing is, is if it's something that I don't feel like I'm confident enough to maybe try on my own as far as um, preparing for viewing and making sure that they 
are appropriate sure. for viewing, even even if it's just family. Regardless, I will pick up the phone and call. I've got a list of people that I can call, and of course, and I hope and I pray that I'm on other people's list too, because I really try to be as helpful oh, as I can. I know you are, but. Yeah, there are times where, unfortunately, nature takes its toll. And after a little while, you know, there's only so much you can do. Um, I've seen some absolute miracles be performed at certain points. So that's always so, I don't want to say exciting. It's not. Of course, it's always heartbreaking. But whenever you can achieve something that will hopefully help that family, that's exhilarating to me. I I want that. And so that's kind of where we come from. And that's where my mom, kind of how we were raised and it's so lovely to find other funeral homes that share that. So whenever Absolutely. we all work together, then it's, it's great for the family. So that's the hard part, though. But there have been times where I've had to call a funeral home and say, look, this is, this is what- yes, this <laughs> yeah. is. And I explain the situation. And then, unfortunately, they're now tasked with going to the family and saying, well, you know, these are what our options are. So right, hopefully right. they can counsel the family through that. And, and of course, I'm doing everything I can on my side. And, and we all work together. And, and it's, a, it's a great thing. Embalming is absolutely a science, but it is also an art. Sure. Um, and it's something that you have to take pride in. Absolutely. Because I just feel like whenever people decide to have a funeral for their loved one, I want to make sure that that is the best possible experience mm-hmm. that they could possibly have because they're wanting that. They want to see their sure. loved one. They want that open casket. You know, those people that want that sure. are the ones that need that benefit. So mm-hmm. I really want to make sure that we do everything we can in our power to make sure that they, that they get that from us. So, and guys, that's why you want Ashley. Because, you know, and my thing is, I don't even want a funeral. I want people to just like come over and have some drinks, have a little party. We'll just we'll just have some of my favorite music going. Let's talk about good stuff. You guys could even talk crap about me. I don't even care. I'm going to be dead. It doesn't matter. But, you know, I'm going to be there watching. I'm serious. Um, But there are some people that really want the traditional. And I totally get that. Now, I do know that there are some religions that you can't embalm. Is that right? That is correct. Just one that springs off the top of my mind is Jewish, Mm -hmm. the Jewish religion. Um, They do not typically embalm. So now there are instances where we have to perform some sort of treatment Mm -hmm. just in order for them to get to their final destination as far as disposition goes, whether it be a burial in a cemetery somewhere else or, you know, so we, we do have other methods that we can, you know, use to get around that. But absolutely, it doesn't matter what religion you are. We're going to observe it. (laughs) That's just kind of how we are. Um, We, we try our very best to, to follow the rule. And even in mortuary school, they, um, well, in the mortuary school I went to in Texas, they teach you that in your funeral directing classes and all, they teach you all about the different religions and, and different observations and things and customs. So it's just really interesting to see. I've been to all types of different services, everything from Hindu, Buddhist, Jewish, Catholic, Orthodox, Christian, that, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And it's really interesting to see how everybody honors their dead. And what's really interesting to me, and I don't know if any of y'all watch Netflix, but I do. Um, But I know since everybody's upset with them about the password sharing, but... But I watched this documentary, and oh my goodness, I can't even remember the name of it. But it was showing about how there were funeral practices that they discovered in a cave in South Africa mm. that are over 100,000 years old. 
What? And I'm just like, these weren't humans. These were prior, like, it blew my mind to think the practice of, of we call it funeralizing. It, it's not even a real word, but yeah. <laughs> but that practice existed even before humans. And that's just so wild to me. It, it's so interesting. And, and you know, I'm going to go there because, you know, you work in this building that your mom, I do know this about you guys, your mom makes it look like a little house and a home and a nice little place for you guys to go. And there's a pretty little break room. It's a kitchen and there's curtains and, and it's pretty and it's nice and you feel comfortable and at home because, you know, you're there all day. So I want to talk to you about when you're dealing with this kind of stuff, there's got to be some spirits hanging around. Well, yes. And of course, you know, we have people that work for us that don't believe and then we have people that work for us that absolutely yeah, do. Right? <laughs> All of them have experienced things. I will say that. Now, oh. some of them will say, oh, well, you know. They just but... threw it away, but the, it's really, truly happening. So, yeah, it's funny how that happens. But I want to know some of the stories because, you know, we're getting into the spooky season and I want to talk about it. Oh, I know. I'm already in the spooky <laughs> I'm season. Sorry. I'm so ready. Me too. <laughs> this it's heat. So I'm in here. Texas. I'm dying. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, yes, I'm ready for spooky season. So I'm ready for a ghost story. Yeah. Um so I, I know I had told you a couple of stories prior about right. even my son seeing things oh, yes. at the mortuary. I think I told that at the live show where um, we had a funeral home that dropped off the, the casketed remains of a person. Yes. And we didn't open it. We just, we have a, I think I explained this, we have a little viewing room um, right. where families can come on direction of the funeral home and just do a quick identification Yes, this is my loved one. And then, then we can move forward with cremation or, or whatnot. So sometimes we utilize that room for caskets if we don't have anything else in there. And it's just a spot in our building. It's just a room in our building. My son happens to walk by the hallway to, you know, to get to the bathroom or whatnot. And he says, Mommy, there's a little girl in there. That still creeps me out, man. And I just looked at, I know, and I'm like, what? And so I go over there, and he was telling me she has brown hair, all this stuff. And so I go in there, and I open it up, and it is. It's a young girl, and she has brown hair. And I don't know how he knows that. tell you and I'm, I'm preparing myself for my nine-month-old grandchild my first and only yet so far grandchild oh you're so sweet thank you um but I'm preparing for that because I'm telling you I love the fact that your son I'm sure you of all people embrace what he says you don't poo-poo it away because would you say he was around did you say he was like four or five when he said that he was he was little bitty and the thing is is like you said in the front it's all nice and beautiful and curtains and all that stuff yeah. and also too because we do have families come in we we want them to be comfortable we don't sure. want them to feel like they're walking into a a warehouse you know or like a an industrial I mean we are industrial so to speak but but yeah we want them to feel comfortable because it's already not a comfortable situation so so all that's nice and so yes if we need to sometimes we'll bring the kids up there you know while we're finishing up paperwork or whatever and and so the front area is typically pretty pretty okay I mean they don't get to see a whole lot but that door was just cracked enough where he walked by there and he looked in and he could see that there was a casket in there and he just said there's a little girl in there oh my goodness well that's the thing you know I'm preparing myself to know okay if this ever comes up which who knows if it does I'm not going to encourage or discourage her to do that because (laughs) you know but um, if she says something I'm certainly going to say well what do you see and how do you feel about that so I love that you do that so I know there's other things that go on like you have either a break room or some kind of room where you've had some issues and I think a prep room correct 
Yes. So that's where we do the embalmings. So the break room, you know what, to back this up, I'm going to say if your grandbaby starts talking about stuff she sees, you need to put her on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Let me put my year old, if she gets old enough. Yeah. All the ghosts she's seen. So. I'll probably just tell the stories, but no, I mean, I will definitely tell the stories if she has them for sure. So, but tell me more about your break room and all that. So in our break room, we've changed it up a little bit. That break room is now my mom's office, oh, okay. but it, what used to be the break room is in our hallway. And when we walk up and down that hallway, I would always just kind of glance, you know, you just, I'm, I'm always looking at stuff. So I'm trying to figure out what's going on, where everybody's at, what's happening. Yeah. So I just, I was running up that hallway and every time it seems, every time I look to my left, I would see something. So one of the first times that that ever happened to me, I was running up the hallway and I just happened to look to my left and I saw a person sitting in the break room chair, just sitting there. And it, it just seemed odd because yeah. they were just sitting there and thought, well, that's kind of weird because usually everybody's very lively. You know, we have to be. Yeah. Um, and I stopped and I backed up and I looked and there was nobody in that break room. Wow. So, and then I've seen another time I walked by there and I just happened to glance up and the lights were off in there, but just enough light gets in where you can see everything pretty clearly. Mm. And I look up and you can see it was like a black shadow mm. on the ceiling. But oh, ever since my mom's been in there, yeah. she she completely gutted out that room and she painted it and she put this beautiful little lounge chair that I'd like to go hide in (laughs) every once in a while. Um, But she's got it so nice and it's usually the coldest room in in the, Mm. in the place other than my prep room. And I don't see anything in there anymore. It's so crazy to me, but shortly after I came back from your live show, we hired a student to just help with getting her cases, which there's an apprenticeship that you have to follow um, to get licensed through the state of Texas after you graduate mortuary school. Mm-hmm. You take your state boards and you get your license, but you also, in order to get your license, you have to satisfy a, a caseload, essentially. So okay. she was there. She's helping me. We have two stations. So I know that whenever I'm at the main station is what I call it, it's just the main area where I usually work (laughs) out of the corner of my eye. If I'm looking down and I'm paying attention to what I'm doing out of the corner of my eye, I can see somebody standing in the doorway and it gets me every time because most people will open the door and sometimes they'll kind of wait to see what I'm doing before they just blah, blah, whatever, you know, into the room because there's a lot of times I'm concentrating or, and they're behind a curtain typically. So they can't see me. They can open the door and say, Hey, you know, but every once in a while, like my mom, of course, she owns a place, so she's everywhere. So every once in a while, she'll come in there and she'll poke her head through the curtain. I feel like I see that all the time, and it's not her, and there's nobody there. Wow. And I'll hear the door open, and there's nobody there. And I'll start talking, hey, you know what? Nobody. Oh, nobody. Yeah. So, so unnerving. That kind of, and you know, right. it's funny because you've told me it really doesn't freak you out as much as it used to, right? You're like so used to it, right? Yeah. yeah. And another thing is people think, oh, let's go to a cemetery. That's where all this, they're not there. Spirits are not at a cemetery. Guys, you're either at a hospital or where Ashley works. I'm telling you, because you're kind of fresh on the other side, you know? I know. I always think about where would I go? Like, okay, I'm now I'm dead. Like, where do I go? Where would I go? I'm not going to go to the cemetery. So, yeah, yeah. that's fair. It's not that I want to see what's happening with the body. I just might, you know, I'm wondering if people are just confused and they're like, okay, what is this place? Why am I still tethered to this body? Um, you know, and oh, there's this pretty girl here because Ashley's gorgeous. There's this pretty girl here. Okay. You know, if it's a guy, he's probably like, hey, she's kind of hot, you know, has no idea. He's gone. No, I'm kidding. 
<laughs> I may take that out. But no, I mean, seriously, it's just funny, you know, that we're still the same on the other side. We may not have the ego that makes us, you know, do the bad things, but we still have our personalities and we still have humor and all that. I would think so, you know, because the, whoever this is that's standing in my doorway apparently thinks it's funny because it happens a lot. And yeah. it's just, it's wild to me because my student started and of course, most of these things that happen to me, there are a couple of things I think I've like messaged and be like, oh my God, you never believe what just happened. Yeah. But usually I tend to kind of keep some of that stuff to myself just because it, it's just one of those things. I'm like, oh God, you know, maybe I'm just seeing something on, on you know, or I don't know. Right. So if I can kind of explain it or, or brush it off and I'm like, okay, maybe I heard something sure. or maybe, you know, but what's crazy to me about this student is that when she started uh, she didn't know any of this. I don't, again, I don't talk about it really, right. but. And you don't know if they believe, you know. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to. Well, and then she's a student. So I want to be like, Hey, we, you know, it's just <laughs> right. poor thing. She's gonna be freaked out. But, and we try to, you know, we try to be as professional as we can, you know, so yeah. it's, it, it's one of those things. Like if you believe, then yes, you're going to recognize it. And if you don't, I guess, you know, it's just another day, but sure. so she's working at my main station where I typically work because I want her to be comfortable and I'm trying to kind of see how she's going and, right. and how things are, are flowing. And I'm working at the second station and I'm kind of keeping an eye on her. And I, I see she looked up at the door and then she just kind of looked and then she looked back down at what she was doing. And then a few minutes later, she looked up again oh. and I looked at her and I said, are you seeing the person that stands in the doorway? She goes, yes. <gasps> I dropped my tools and I was like, okay. For somebody that doesn't even know. Yeah. When somebody that doesn't even know it, you know, okay. And you know, it kind of takes a special person to want to do this kind of work. Don't you think? I, you know, I think so. And, you know, I, I get a little mushy sometimes whenever I talk about funerals and people are probably like, oh God, you know, but I just, again, it does take a special kind of person because this is something that somebody can't, they can't return this favor. Right. So it makes it that much more important that you do the right thing. So Absolutely. I'm always, you know, I'm big on, okay, we've got to make sure that they're right and everything is good because you're right. I mean, I just, well, you I don't, don't want anybody to... following you home. I mean, come on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, in the movies you see like in these mortuaries, you know, and you go in and these bodies have sheets over them and then one will just like sit up out of nowhere or you, or you hear some gas or whatever it is. I don't even know what it is. Does that stuff really happen? No. And that's, I, that's why I'm laughing. I'm sorry. It, it makes for a good story. And I know people think like, oh, I love this. Whenever I walk in to a nursing home or something and I'm there to pick up somebody's loved one, right. I'm like, yes, I'm here with the funeral home. And they look at me and they're like, it's just you? You're a girl. Thinking, yes, I'm fine. I, I know. I, I, know I, I, I pump yeah. iron. <laughs> but wow. um, they think it's going to be some creepy, tall, old man, you know, pushing the cot right. with like a lurch facial expression <laughs> and it's I mean the funeral service the funeral industry is becoming more female and I'm so excited I just think it's amazing of course we love our guys but oh, it's sure. just amazing to see women in funeral service because for so long it was mainly male oriented and yeah. and it just brings a new perspective and just kind of new blood into the industry and and I love that and I think that's why I like working with the students oh, so because that's kind of a new thing I've been doing well, 
person. More nurturing. Hey, listen, I know there are men, I'm sure they're very nurturing too. I don't mean to discount that. But it's just that there's something about a woman handling any, you know, one's loved one. I like how you say that. Because that's the truth. It's someone's loved one. It's someone who deserves respect you guys give them and, and all the above. Now, let me ask you this. So when something happens, like let's say you have a hurricane, you're right there in Houston. You have a hurricane, you lose power. I know that's happened before. I know it's flooded too. What do you do then? Yes, I have quite a few instances of that happening. So anybody in Houston will know the tax day floods that happened. And I I cannot remember exactly the year, but I want to say it was in 2015. Oh, yeah. It might have been 2016, but there were horrible floods, killed people. I ended up having to spend the night at a funeral home because I got stuck there while I was delivering Yes, because the street, I got caught in a flash flood and I had the van running and I had to turn it off to go inside. I had left my lights on because it was so bad my battery died. And so, of course, I couldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to drive anywhere anyway because it was so flooded, but it was just horrible. I thought my mom was going to lose her mind, (laughs) but she was like, just stay there. It's safe. Like, don't. And I remember just poking my head out and every once in a while watching because, I mean, I, this is the thing, again, we partner with our funeral home. So I had a key to his funeral home. And so I let myself in, of course, to to make the delivery, but then I got stuck there. So I ended up in a chair all night. <laughs> so we were we were okay, but that was that yeah. was bad. But do you ever get creeped out? I mean, I know you're around deceased bodies all the time. Let's just be honest, you are. But I mean, does it ever creep you out or are you just over it because you just, nothing's ever been sinister? Nothing's ever been, you know what I'm saying? Nothing's ever been bad? Nothing, yeah, nothing like that really ever happens. Um, they don't make noises. They don't sit up. They don't move on their own unless, I mean, there's there's been times where I've had somebody, you know, where their arms are props a certain way so I can achieve a certain look with them and, and then it slides or, so, you know, something right. like that. But even then, if that happens... I don't feel jumpy and I don't feel anxious or scared or anything. Really, I don't. I look at them as, I don't want to say people because I know they're not in there. They're somewhere else, right, but right. they're still people. Right, and right, so right. I, I just still, oh, you know, if I bump into to the edge of a table, I'm sorry, sir. Yeah. I'm I'm the one that will apologize. And, and I talk to everyone and that might be why I see a bunch of stuff. But I don't ever feel afraid. I think because I know that I'm doing the right thing. You know, and even if nobody is watching, I'm watching. So I, I think that that makes a big difference. And if, and not to say if somebody's scared that they're doing something wrong, that's not at all. But I just think that I I feel at ease with what I'm doing. And if they're visiting, I don't feel like there would be hopefully any anger or animosity towards me based on what I'm doing. But, you know, it, it can be intense sometimes because certain stories get to you or certain Mm -hmm. things happen and they hit close to home. I mean, I've embalmed kids that are my own children's age um, that have suffered even. I mean, you don't get a thank you at the end of the day, of course. And I don't ever expect that because I'm doing this because it's an intrinsic need for me to to do something for people. And this fills that. And so I don't ever want that or need that. But whenever a family even says they look really good, that is, that's it. (laughs) That's all I need. So I don't ever, I focus on that type of thing. I focus on the work. I tend to compartmentalize. So when something like that happens, I'm like, Hmm, okay, that was weird. And then I just move on. (laughs) 
Yeah, so. because, you know, the fact that you respect them so much, and, you know, I, I'm a big person on intention, and when you go into it with good intention, only good things are really going to come back to you, regardless of what you do in your life, and, it, you know, you just happen to be an embalmer uh, funeral director, so, I mean, that's what you do, but, yeah, I have so much respect for you, so. I have a story, because oh, yeah. we're coming along, actually, no, it was yesterday, tell me if this blows your mind or not. Okay. Yesterday was the six-year anniversary of Hurricane Harvey. Has it been six years? Six years. That flooded Houston, guys. That was a huge flood in Houston. Bad, bad, bad. I don't think anybody had ever seen Houston that flooded. I don't think it's ever been that flooded, ever. Ever. Yeah, places flooded that have never flooded before. And, of course, the Army Corps of Engineers, agree or disagree, decided to flood certain residential areas to save others. and. That has been a major point of contention, especially on the west side of town where most of that happened. But we were working, we weren't necessarily a full-fledged mortuary just yet. Um, We were basically working out of our van, picking up and dropping off to funeral homes. This was before we obtained our building in in the crematory. So basically all we did, and that was an experience. We had so much water in in houses and we were still trying to do our best to get around town through the floods funeral homes would call us and say can you make it to this side of town you know all my guys are tied up and you know we don't know what to do and we would try to get in the van and do what we could and and try to get there and help those families and you know get those loved ones where they needed to be because of course being at home again nature takes its toll after a while so we wanted to help people as quickly as we could to try to get their loved ones to safety and level of you know dedication and the level of let me take care of you because you know these people are already distraught that they're losing someone or lost someone and then you go in and you're like listen I'm going to take care of it you know um, I can't make it better but I can certainly take care of what you have left so many funeral homes and around town I mean so many people reached in and helped out and and did everything they could and you know funeral homes working together typically you know their competition and now they're holding loved ones in each other's you know place or whatever it is you know we try to pull together and say okay this is going to be our our ground zeroes where we're going to work from. My mom actually was part of the DMORT team that Mm -hmm. was working at Reliant at the Energy Stadium in Houston, helping and, you know, with cleanup, with the unfortunate passing of so many people and, and all of that. And she doesn't talk a lot about it, but you know, one day I would love to get her to speak with you because I think you would love her. Oh, I, um, I would love her stories too. And, and, you know, I love spreading awareness, Ashley, and right. I love letting people know, you know, listen, this is a natural thing. Don't be afraid of this because we all have to go and we all have to meet our maker and all the things. But at least there's integrity. At least there's someone. And I think there's a lot of good, reputable places like you guys have that take care of us, you know, all around the United States. And I'm sure Ashley could probably point you to people. Um, But I love the fact that I can spread the awareness of guys, you know, regardless if you want to be cremated or if you want to be embalmed and be shown or whatever to your loved ones, there's nothing to be afraid of. I don't love that for me. I wouldn't want that for myself, but I get why you need that closure. And I understand that. So, but I have to talk to you, Ashley. Remember when you were talking to your best friend and you were actually in the process of embalming a man? I believe. And tell me that story because I, I was blown away by that. Yeah. So Eric, that's my best friend. He actually used to work with us. And first of all, we've been best friends since cemetery days, same person. So he's been through, through everything, but he's also, he's worked for us for a little while off and on, you know, as he gets the opportunity or 
or, you know, hey, I'm coming down for the weekend. If you want, you know, I can put myself on to help out or whatever. So he he understands the business, obviously, much better than the standard lay person that's not in the industry would. And so he knows those types of things. So whenever he calls me, he knows what's going on. And I told him that night he called me and He's like, hey, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm here. I've got, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm embalming. Yeah. And I believe this was probably during COVID because yeah. it was in the it middle of the started. night and I was by yeah. myself. That's when it um, first started, correct? Like the 2020-ish, something yes. like that. Okay. Yeah. So it's been a while. I don't remember yeah. 100% all of the details, but essentially he was just, you know, wanting to catch up and chat a little bit. And he knew I was alone. So I had my earbud in. I said, well, I can talk to you for a few minutes while sure. I'm getting stuff ready. Mm-hmm. And I don't exactly remember, but what I do know is that I was working and we were talking and he just stops and he goes, who was that? And I said, what do you mean? He says, I just heard somebody talking. I said, no. He goes, there's not a guy there. No, there's not a guy here. He says, oh, well, I heard a man say, I'm not dead. Clear as day. He goes, and I I mean, he thought somebody was messing with I was what? like, I, there is nobody here. He goes, it was a young guy. I said, I've got a 29-year-old man here. Oh, my God. <laughs> but my thing is, shoot, to me, that's kind of proof, guys, that we don't die. Our bodies, our human selves die, but our souls go on. And we're like probably telling everyone, you know, let's say you passed away and you're a little out of it because you're so still tethered here. And you're like, listen, I'm not dead. Why is she doing that? You know, because they're confused. But he just... <laughs> I mean, and I don't know what the circumstance was. I don't know if he just said that just if nothing else. So we can talk about it and tell you guys, we go on. We really, truly do. And I just had someone message me that's in my Facebook group, and you're in there too, who said, Leslie, I was so afraid of death, deathly afraid. And she said, and you and your guests have made me so much less afraid and apprehensive of when that time comes. And I'm like, listen to me. That is, well, that's the best compliment I can get because this is why I do this, Ashley. This is why. And it's not because I want money. I don't get money for this podcast. I don't want money. I mean, I'm, I'm doing very well. The podcast is doing very well. And eventually maybe I will monetize it. I don't know. I don't want commercials for a bunch of people. I don't know if I want that. All I know is that if I made one person, and I know that sounds so cliche, but if I made one person go, you know what? I'm not so afraid. I'm not so deathly afraid. And I know there's another place for us. I've done my job. That's your, they look really good. Right. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's you like, know, yes. It's like my love language. That's your reward. Words of affirmation are my love language and and helping someone. And just like you, Ashley, words of affirmation. Oh my goodness. Look what you did. They look so good. Or you took such good care of him or her or my child. And I love that for you because, you know, we're all here. It's all about love and light and all the things, but it's also just about, we've got to get back to that respect of just human beings outside of just surviving absolutely you know I had somebody come on my podcast and we talked about an hour later and he was talking about aliens and stuff but he said one of the aliens told him he said we all forgot you guys all forgot that you still love each other you guys came here and you all love each other so much you forgot that and everybody's against each other and everybody's about power I'm not saying everybody is but there's a lot of people that are like that so anyway and that's what I'm saying I'm going off on a tangent but I love talking to you about this because if nothing else you know it's not supposed to be gross I'm not going to go into the details of what Ashley does she doesn't need to talk about that and I do sometimes go there with her and I was going to ask 
mosque or, you know, with the Orthodox or the Jewish, is there some kind of lie treatment that you do for those people? Is that kind of what you do? The For Jewish people, we have, this is, this sounds so crude. I hope, I don't know how this is going to come off, but we have ice packs that we place on the loved one to keep them you know, at an optimal temperature in order to ship them. Um, Certain airlines will allow that if we're shipping um, human remains. We can do that under certain circumstances. And of course, they set all the rules. We always have to follow everything they say. But there are treatments that they can do. But usually, especially with Jewish people, it's it's a wash that they do. And, you know, you don't insert any foreign anything anywhere. It's just... Everything as natural as possible. There are certain times where we have to secure the mouth closed on certain decedents, and they do not do that. You're natural, and you're shrouded, and you're washed, and I'm probably not using 100% of the correct terms, but just for lay people, that's essentially what it is. They actually have members of the synagogue called the Hever Kedisha that come in, and they perform the wash ceremony, women, wash women, Uh And, and they do that. And they'll have what they call a shomer, which is essentially a guard that sits with your loved one so they're not alone and they Aww. pray. And, and it's it's amazing how different each culture is, but yet yeah. there's that honor. Yeah, I mean, and you know, way back in, gosh, guys, the uh, early 1900s, even before that and a little after that, um, especially in rural areas, you know, you would take your loved one and you'd put them on the kitchen table and they would just shroud them and they would wash them and you'd come look at them and then they would take them, I guess, in the day or two, it would be really quick and put them to rest in the ground. But I mean, it was like that too. So it sounds a little bit like that. Right. I mean, they bury very quickly, um, typically before sundown the following day, okay. I believe. Don't come for me if that's incorrect. I'm so sorry. Right. But they typically bury pretty quickly and everything is simple as far as even their burial container doesn't have any metal or it's it's all a certain type of of wood and you have the star of david on the top of it It, it's very very cool to see the different religions and how they practice and and right love their loved one and honor their loved ones and that brings us full circle because seriously that's why i wanted to talk to you because you know if nothing else if i can ease you guys on the actual Hey, listen, we don't go anywhere. We just, we just change form. Energy never dies. It just changes form. And guys, we become incredibly invisible and amazing, right? Um, and this is not a part you need to be afraid of. And by then, from what I understand with near-death experiencers, they don't even care about their bodies. So they don't even care. Right, <laughs> right. This is more, I feel like this is more for the families. Yeah, this is for their is. closure and their ability to look at them. And I feel strongly And it may be just because I'm an embalmer. And of course, in our state, embalming is not required. And it's not something that I advocate for as far as pushing people to do so or anything of that nature. But if you are going to look at your loved one, in my personal opinion, to have them embalmed, I think that that would be the best option. And personally, in my opinion, if I was going to have a viewing for one of my loved ones, I would prefer to have them embalmed. And because it just makes the viewing process easier. And that's the goal. They're outliers, but, you know, sometimes they're, you know, everybody reacts differently to grief. So, and and in different ways, there's a standard, what do they call that? The steps of grief where you end in acceptance, but not everybody hits all of those in order in which they're listed. And they don't always hit those all in different times. It could hit all at once. It's all those feelings. Everything is valid. 
But hopefully the goal is, is whenever they do see their loved one, that they do reach that acceptance and they don't go further into their grief and cause more problems in their life. So that's the goal that I think that's why I prefer embalming and why I'm an embalmer is because it does make that easier whenever you look at your loved one. To me, I feel like that does something to your brain that helps with that acceptance of that loss. Closure alone is just so important for a lot of people. And I do understand that. And this is the kind of thing that I, like I said, I wanted to bring to you guys' attention. And also just the fact that Ashley's so dedicated. And, you know, yes, your mother did this. And she would probably never make you do this. But somehow, some way, you really gravitated toward this and wanted to do this too. Oh, absolutely. No, I did. And I think if it wasn't in me, I probably wouldn't have the drive I do. So I do see that too, that it was something that I felt like I was like, you know what, I I can do this. And I'm actually, I'm actually a little bit good at it. So, you know, and and you get excited and (laughs) thank you. But, um, you know, like during COVID, that really tested our limits on Mm. the type of natural disasters that we were willing to, or not willing, but that we were able to withstand. I mean, because it wasn't just a local thing. Everybody was affected in some way or the other, whether it be good or bad, whether you believe it was real, whether you believe it was a hoax, whether you believe whatever, everybody was affected in some way. Um, So with us, I mean, when, when somebody says that they don't believe that COVID was real, I'm okay with that. I'm not going to argue with you. I just know what I've been through and I would not want anybody to experience the level of stress and and fear and worry that a lot of the people in the funeral industry were feeling for these families because even in the beginning, we didn't even know as much as, as what the standard person would. I mean, we're watching the same news that you guys, we would have things come in from the health department or, or from our uh, state commission office about safety measures and things to do. But honestly, we were, we were just as in the dark as anybody else was as far as how this is transmitted can we get it from a, a person that's not breathing because right. it is a respiratory illness? You know, we, what do we do? How do we, how do we handle them? If, if embalming procedures are going to be the same or different, right. um, if the family is going to be able to see them because COVID ravaged certain families where it was just from one member to the next. Yeah. Oh, and so then yeah. funerals were getting put off for weeks and weeks at a time. Yeah. And it, that. and again, nature takes its course. Um, yeah. So then we're trying to navigate that type of situation as well, where we're just trying to make sure everybody gets the closure that they need to move forward because this is already so traumatic, but we were so busy. I, I can't even, I can't even think of an analogy. I can't think of, of anything that would compare. compare. Yeah. Right. I, I can't even think of, of something I could compare it to. It was just as quickly as we were able to service one family, five more, 10 more, you know, whoever, right. and the funeral homes are calling us. And, and it's just, it was, one after the other after the other that we were picking up and trying to care for and of course there's only so much you can do there's only so much space right and so then you get to a point where you're like there's nothing else we can do we've done everything we can and now we we just have to you know serve the people we can serve and whenever we get 
these funerals taken care of with these funeral homes, then, you know, we can, but it, it was very, very stressful. And any funeral home um, in the Houston area can tell you how busy they were. Oh, it's just yeah. I mean, it's, so it's, wild. It's, it's the same thing with the hospitals. The hospitals were overrun and, and every time there's an uptick, they're overrun and there's a new uptick coming now. And I know that, um, I know this is going to be something that will stay in my RSS feed for a long time, but it's um, almost September of 2023 and we have another uptick. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Um, I, I actually came across one the other day and I did not know, but, and we've talked about this. I think we talked about this on that first time I was on. Um, but I did have one the other day and, and we didn't know, I wasn't aware, but as I had mentioned to you before on the previous podcast episode, I knew not that, you know, for sure, but I suspected, um, just, just based on how things were it just reminded me and i ended up asking the funeral director later i said do you know by any chance did that person have covid yeah and he says yes she i don't think that that's why she passed away which was kind of a weird thing because how would i know that right i mean how would i know that but it was just the way that things happened during the procedure that i was like i just this just seems strange to me. And he told me that, yes, that that person did. And I, I was very, I was very disappointed because I just thought that maybe hopefully COVID would continue to just die die down and, and, and we would, we would beat this, but here we are almost four years later and we're in the same, hopefully not the same situation, but we're, we're in a situation where we're seeing more cases And it's worrisome. Again, I don't get into the politics of it. Like I said, I can only speak to what I personally experienced. But I've been wondering if we need to start wearing masks or not even. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know. We may not even use the mask thing. But I just I'm I'm worried. Honestly, I'm worried. You know, it's one of those things. I, I believe in science and I get my boosters. That's just my thing. That's just personal choice for me. And I get my boosters and uh, and I get my flu shot every year and all the things. So and I do both of them at the same time. So I'm just kind of not feeling great one day and then I feel fine again. My husband doesn't even phase him, but I do that. But we've always gotten the flu shot. We've, you know, and we'll get the COVID shot too. And you know what? I do believe because my kids, they're pillar to post. They're all over the place. And I believe that because I did have both of us, we had the boosters a couple times, we didn't get it. And our kids did. And they did get, they got the shots, but they didn't get the boosters. And, you know, I'm too old for this crap, guys. I need to stick around. You're like, really old? Really? <laughs> I know, I know. And it's like, you know, and here's the deal. I hardly go anywhere. I mean, I go places with my husband and I go places with my kids and stuff. But I mean, I go to the store and I go to Target. Duh. But I mean, I don't go anywhere. Like I don't get on planes and stuff. And when, and I've only had it one time, my husband and I had it once and we had that earlier strain and, you know, kicked my butt and lost the taste and all that. And that's brain damage. And I don't want to go through that again, because I know there's other things and we can get into the, we don't need to keep talking about this. But anyway, yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, I just want to protect myself and my kids and my husband and all the things and my grandbaby. And that's kind of the angle I'm coming at it. Anybody else is listening to this and you don't want to do that. Absolutely. That is your choice. 
um, you do you and and uh, we can move on from that. <laughs> right, exactly. Yep. No judgment here. Just everybody do what they think is the best thing. And hopefully we don't hurt each other. That's that's exactly, it. We just exactly. don't need to hurt each other. Exactly. But you know, Ashley, I love talking to you. I'm going to have you back on because I think other people will have, you know, I think there's some questions that probably I didn't cover that some people may want to know. And I'm just kind of giving you a like a rundown of things you do, you know, my listeners. But yeah, I just think that there might be other questions. So if you want to come back sometime, we can talk again. Of course. And you know what I was even thinking? I was like, we could even maybe stir up some engagement that I am game. If you want to do maybe with the viewers or like run a poll like Q&A on Instagram or on yeah, Facebook yeah. or something um, and pick some questions and we'll, we can do something like that. I'd be yeah, happy absolutely. to do that if, as long as it's not too, too crazy. I mean, I'd answer all your questions, but yeah. most of them, you know, if they're appropriate. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I can do a poll on my uh, group as well. And we can do one and, and you know, we can come back on and talk about it. Or we can do it in the group, whatever. But um, Ashley, you've been amazing. Thank you so much for coming back on my podcast. You're always such a sweetheart. You were at my live show. You're a friend of mine. And I love you dearly. Yes, I love you too. I'm so happy. And I, I'm so proud of you. I think you're doing a really great job. And, and this is stuff that I think about when I'm driving home, like with your podcast, especially it's like, Hmm. I wonder, you know, I wonder what it was like to grow up in a cult or, you know, any of those types of things I am so into. So I just love that, that there's someone such as myself that's actually out there doing that so I can listen to it. Oh, well, you're a sweetheart. Thank you again, honey. I appreciate you so much. Yes, ma'am. Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.